Welcome to On Air, a podcast discussion at the intersection of artificial intelligence and international relations, where we will discuss the development of IR theory, law, and practice in the age of AI. From Tokyo, Japan, I'm Adir Mema, joined today by my co-host Chris Lamont and Young Diogenes. In our last episode, we had a fascinating discussion about the quadrilateral security dialogue, AI cooperation, and also collaboration among quad countries, the United States, India, Australia, and Japan, on the issue of emerging tech. And there is certainly a lot to digest and revisit in the future. Speaking of the quad, I had just been reading about um, Australian Australian aircraft having a, a dangerous encounter with Chinese fighter aircraft over the, the South mm-hmm. China Sea. And that that made me think of a, a movie, a newly released version <laughs> of a movie that came out um, many decades ago. What could this um, be? Well, um, well, perhaps Top Gun. But I have to say, I, I, <laughs> disclaimer: I have not, I have not seen the, the the new version. But I have read also about the fact in this um, new re-release of of Top Gun that, of course, um, one of its lead actors or key actors, Val Kilmer, um, is um, a survivor of of throat cancer. And in this newly released version of, of the movie, um, his voice is, is actually produced or is a, a product of human AI collaboration. Yandogenes, can you tell us a little bit more about recent developments in AI and voice technologies and what's over the horizon? Uh, I'd be happy to. And you guys feel free to stop me if I go on a... Uh, a long extended <laughs> rant on Val Kilmer's acting, acting chops or something. Cause uh, there was a movie from the eighties of his that I really enjoyed, but which movie was um, that? If I may ask, it was a movie. <laughs> Chris, are you sure you want to get off topic here? Already? Well, no, no, no. We'll, uh, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll, I'm interested in the, <laughs> the voice technology. Answer, but, um. It was uh, it was a movie called real genius about uh, ostensibly about students at Caltech developing laser lasers, kind of a, comedy uh, drama i probably saw it like 20 times as a as a kid anyway hmm. got me interested in grad school. okay we'll, we'll come back um, to that in a future episode <laughs> yeah uh so regarding top gun maverick um they hired a company called uh Synantic, and they developed over 40 different voices for uh val kilmer uh different like emotional profiles different inflections that you can basically type in uh, content and it would speak in Val Kilmer's natural tone. And uh, as you might guess, when it comes to voice, at least maybe not so much video, but when it comes to voice, AI has gotten really good at uh, replicating this. And they actually pulled it from the, they said in one of the articles um, that they only had the team, so Val Kilmer's team, whatever that means, uh, only provided about 10% of the normal content they would have for developing an AI voice. And yet they still developed a voice using some new algorithms um, that is like, if you heard it on screen, or I mean, I've obviously heard his voice a lot. I would not know that it wasn't him in, in person. So it's quite cool. And I was also curious, well, did they just do it for the movie for a few lines, whatever? They don't even really use this tech that much in the movie because in the movie, he whispers a little, but this simulation, um, I was I was curious, is he going to be able to use it in his, his real life now? And he is. So it's kind of a nice um, side benefit that they invited him to be in this movie and um, that he can now based on the throat cancer he has, use this to communicate more easily with his family, which was kind of touching. 
Interesting. So it, it works in real time. It's not like you have a script and then the AI voice reads it out, but rather it can um, take a kind of human voice input and can change it into another voice. He he still has to he still has to type it out, but okay. it sounds like him when he types it out. Yeah, interesting. And he's otherwise fine. I mean, I think it went into remission, or they the last treatment was like five six years ago. But now, now I have yeah. to ask you because we've had previous episodes on on deep fakes. It sounds like on the one hand, this mm. this particular application seems like it can provide a lot of good um, and a lot of benefits to, to people who have, um, who have been suffering with, um, conditions that have um, taken away their, their ability to speak and, and speak in a way that kind of restores, you know, um, their, their past voice. But, but what about other potential applications of this is, are there other uses for this technology that, that Sonantic has been exploring beyond, um, this particular usage? Yeah, from what I can tell, uh, they are kind of all over the map in in terms of um, utilization. So some of it's some of it's movies, some of it's uh, folks who have had disabilities. But you can imagine any scenario, someone someone may have passed away. Any scenario, someone doesn't have enough time to do something, or they don't have a contract with them anymore, or whatever. Uh, any situation where you may need someone's voice, as long as um, they have either trained it up to be of a certain quality, or if there's enough content available because they're a public figure, you can get uncanny reproductions that I don't think, like even their parents probably couldn't tell anymore. And thinking of malicious uses, the uses are there are there telltale signs or giveaways um, in this that if somebody is trying to pass off somebody's voice, um, which has been artificially created that um, people like you who work kind of with this would, would be able to um, look into it and say, uh-huh, this is, this is obviously not a human voice or are they almost identical? Well, I'd say reaction time is one, you know, you can't necessarily type that fast. Maybe they have versions where you can speak in your normal voice. And like you said, it translates into the other voice. Um, I think I would probably just say, hey, let's do a video chat. And the video chat still has telltale signs around the lips, the, the muscles around the, the lips and the face are incredibly complex. And we have really good eyes for that as humans and telling fakes, at least for now. Yeah, I was watching uh, another show, uh, I think it's the Adam Project. Um, and uh, and there is there are two characters side by side. One is the real character. The other one is clearly... Uh, CGI, and it's and it's it's those mouth uh, muscles as well as the eye movement, right? That we just can't seem to just get right, and to which we're very yeah. attuned, right? We would kind of identify right away if something is right or wrong. But the, this question that Chris asked is actually interesting because, you know, I wonder what the copyright protection discussions are right now, right? Like. Do you copyright your AI generated voice? I mean, even I mean, there's a certain signature certain that people have. Do you can you copyright it? So I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know. If there's an answer to that I'm sure people have written on this, and we have to look at this uh, in future episodes. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about is in terms of like making the leap from real life to the metaverse, right? And this gets to the issue of copywriting copywriting one's one's voice. 
because in the metaverse you could in principle um right use try and use some kind of auditory uh, 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 uh tools to be able to uh to 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 pass yourself off as somebody that you you are not uh what, what do you think of that is there any potential application here uh in the metaverse and 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 where does that leave us i think uh earlier applications will probably be more along the lines of uh i didn't take a shower today whatever i'm you know i've got i'm tired and people wanting to have a cleaned up version of themselves in the context of zoom calls and uh other yeah, but I'm talking about the concept of the fakes here as well, because in the metaverse setting, then uh, <laughs> well, that 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 that. Well, being, I'm trying being... to be more optimistic. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> this, I guess this falls from last episode that we had together, where I cast you as a pessimist. So, so I suppose you are a little bit sensitive to that, uh, Chris. It seems that you want to. Yeah, no, 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 but I, but I kind of just um, taking the lead from you, Medlier. Here is um, want to return to some of the more malicious potential applications <laughs> of this, there's, right? Because there's, you, there's you guys no are always here. trying to push there's Diogenes no into the... There's no rest for Diogenes. <laughs> well, no, but that's kind of why I ask if there was a way forensically to go back and identify whether or not, not just kind of in terms of real-time viewing from the the public where these things can be very good at, at deception, but one could imagine, for example, in a kind of competitive political environment or some other environment where somebody says, ha I've got a secret recording of so-and-so saying these horrible things about their, their constituency and, and that being um, entirely AI generated, how does one protect against that? Yeah. Right now, if you look at it in terms of the actual pixels, there are telltale signs with most AI where if you went in it's similar to like the AI is doing Photoshop in real time. And so with Photoshop, there's telltale signs, even if at a distance, you can't tell. So if you're going to do a deep fake in that scenario, what you would probably do is similar to maybe not quite as extreme, but what you see with a lot of UFO videos in that, why are they always so lousy and rainy? You would like take a recording of a recording and then you can ascribe the, the flaws will kind of be hidden and you can ascribe it to the that you happen to get a poor recording of the person and people would still believe so it. you're pointing out that they said with a lot of the recordings and videos of ufos implying that some may actually be genuine <laughs> well i'm thinking of a particular set of navy recordings the tic-tac ones yeah that there's less reason for them to lie about it. But right. I mean, a UFO doesn't mean aliens. It just means unidentified. Right, unidentified so. yeah. And they have a new term for it anyway. Yeah. Um, well, so here's, uh, if you want to take even a, a, a darker turn uh, in terms of the future, because uh, <laughs> you would get, I mean, again, this this question of, uh, of identity and the voice as your identity uh, comes to another topic that actually we will bring up more, I think, in the next uh, episode uh, when, when we talk a little bit more about these issues uh, specifically. But I was fascinated by a book uh, by Katriona Campbell, um, and, and we're going to try and see if we can, we will write to her. Uh, and if any of our listeners know her, please, uh, you know, uh, get in touch with us. But we want to bring her here next, uh, next season and, and talk to us. But she's got a book uh, called AI by Design. 
a plan for living with artificial intelligence. And in it, she's ta she talks about uh, what, what, what they're called Tamagotchi children uh, and, 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 and talks about how soon people will raise virtual children, uh, which uh, who cost, uh, is it who or which, uh, cost less or, and also are less messy. And I guess as a father of four, <laughs> I would know, uh, you know, <laughs> messiness. But, but she, she proposes Tamagotchi children as an answer to overpopulation. Uh, and also to climate change, which is an issue that you have raised in the past, you know, uh, which would be ironic because obviously we also know that AI can be quite demanding on resources too. So right. it's a question of whether this really is more environmentally friendly and a cheaper answer to overpopulation and limited resources. But, but I mean, the reason I asked you that question earlier, so we go from the voice uh, to the metaverse and then we get to this kind of weird uh, kind of, uh, I think, dystopian scenario is that there is a there is a connection here because the, the you know the voice in a way will be an imprint for each of these children and and the kind of voice they get obviously it would be important, uh, but you know Chris what, what do you think of that and then why do uh, your reaction uh, in closing to this mm -hmm. but I don't know I don't know I, I just want I, I just want to first um, just say that that we weren't going where where I thought we would go at the very <laughs> beginning in a sense when when I brought up as uh, is often the case right now when I brought up. Um, Top Gun 2.0, whether or not 3.0 would be kind of um, not robot children flying the planes, but maybe like actual robots. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> in that's the, an in the future, which point is, to, to, to end right, on, but right. yeah. But, but to speak more specifically yeah. to, to this book you've raised, well, one, it, it raises a very interesting argument. And and two, I'm a little bit, I have to have to say that um, I'm a little bit hesitant to comment too much, um, having not read the book, and I look forward yeah. to to reading it. But kind of these these general one size fits all solutions to to global problems, and this is this um, seems like um, potentially one of them, right? That that we would substitute um, humans would substitute biological children for for virtual children, and there would be no overpopulation. The world's population would go down, right? This seems, on the one hand, kind of very a very seductive argument, but then you look at um, the demographic realities and the distribution of where children are being born. And and also kind of social norms in different parts of the world. I, I don't think um, most humans who inhabit our our planet today think that um, these um, kind of robot children would be interchangeable with with human human children. And um, they're not even robot, right? They're virtual. Well, virtual, uh, so yeah, 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 virtual. They're, they're, they're not even they don't <laughs> right. exist in the reality. But but you know, right. if we if we are we find ourselves more and more spending time in an ender game type of uh, no, Ready Player One, sorry, type of scenario where we're spending a lot of our time because everywhere everything around us is destroyed in a way, right? It's because of over consumerism. Then and we're spending so much time in a virtual reality. Right. Then then this virtual kids kind of. Set yeah, up, but just from yeah. a, a public policy point of view, I guess kind of one last note on this is that yeah. we we are in a country, um, Japan, um, which um, as a matter of policy is trying to promote people having more children, not less, because you need a tax base um, mm. to to fund retirements. And if if it became a kind of public policy goal to eradicate children, who is going to pay medlier for our retirements? <laughs> well, the virtual kids. Uh, you <laughs> can tax, uh, you tax the metaverse. <laughs> right. Somehow we'd have to somehow <laughs> generate revenue from this. I mean, we, we found a way. I remember the similar questions were asked about the internet and internet shopping, online shopping in the 90s. And you're like, wait, you know, how do you capture 
you know, all of these, all this growth is taking place in a different. Right. But I mean, uh, I think that. And then the, and you, the like, thing is, right, we'll extend we, would, the we would need the model. metaverse to be able to provide um, care assistance to us, um, which is now carried out mainly by humans to carry yeah, out surgery. Yeah, but you could do that. Do... And perhaps, well, the surgery perhaps less so, but you could do a lot of the stuff that you do now in physical reality through the metaverse. I mean, that's the promise of metaverse in a way is that you're able to perhaps. Uh, or a virtual reality rather than metaverse because we're not talking right. about the same thing. But then, here. but the virtual reality is that you can actually do a lot, uh, and, and from you know right. quite a distance. Well, potentially one can, and and to to take that that further though, the idea of just um, well, then who gets to decide who does have real children to sustain yeah, yeah. humanity versus yeah. who gets to have um, virtual children, yeah. and whether or not people see that as equal. Yeah, of course, the last, uh, I mean, the one social experiment we have, we do have, unfortunately, right, the control case. In this case, is China's social experiment over the last decades with a one-child policy, moving on to two and now, you know, three or more. But uh, uh, in, in the case in the case of China, what, what we found was that people did have more than one, but then that creates uh, second-class kind of decisions. That are exploited, right, for human trafficking and prostitution and other th- kinds of things. So, uh, just going to your concerns, right, that that it's uh, it's impossible to actually have, uh, you know, the same class citizenship. Uh, on the other hand, if virtual kids are the ones that are, that are suffering, then perhaps it's not, you know, I guess the end of the world if that happens because they're virtual. They're not necessarily, you know, sentient and and real. Uh, but of course, for the for people that are interact with them on a regular basis, uh, they are. Uh, but this is something that we will touch on. Uh, looking forward to the other episodes that we have lined up. This is something I want to come back to uh, because there's a lot more uh, that just not just in terms of virtual reality, but also our treatment of robots and everything else that, that I, I want to come back to this. So read up on this, uh, Chris uh, and YD so that we can discuss sure. it. Uh, YD, last I think a lot of this. this yeah, I, I'll just sneak in a couple comments. I've, I was content letting you two go at it. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of this actually starts out in games and gets perfected there as a lot of things on the internet. Money goes into the games, whether it's video cards or hardware or infrastructure, whatever. And there is actually a company that's kind of like what she describes, presumably in the book, since none of us have read it yet, um, called Replica with a K right. where you can make a sort of replica of yourself. And I think when it comes to kids, I don't, it's, it's yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard for me to imagine it in the near term being a substitute for children. Maybe it might be the application might be if you've lost a loved one that you could train it to kind of simulate that so that you can have conversations with someone you've lost. I think that could be potentially interesting. Yeah, but okay. yeah, perfect through games, and I don't. I don't think Meta is actually going to do as well as maybe some people think. I think most of that metaverse is going to be again designed through other companies doing virtual reality and. Well, yeah, um, of course, of course. And when I when I say metaverse, yeah. I don't think of the meta, right? The company. I am okay. talking just metaverse generally, and it could actually could be metaverses, right? Uh, there's more than one. We we explored right. this actually in our episode with Elon Monor, so a little bit. So I think it's something for our listeners to go back to a previous episode on this and on replica. We will bring that up again because one of the things I've been reading, and I want to discuss uh, in upcoming episodes is it's this ongoing increased incidence of violence uh, towards 
bots, chatbots, right? And Replica is actually right in the middle of this kind of heated debate on that. So we'll bring that up in the in the future. We'll discuss and we'll bring up this discussion again, like I said, and hopefully we can have uh, uh, the author of the book, uh, Katerina Campbell, come and, and speak to us uh, in, in uh, the upcoming uh, episodes. Well, thank you very much, Chris. I'm sorry, Great. we should have gone your way. I know that would have been actually more interesting and cooler <laughs> But, no, no, I but thought this was get, more interesting because that, that, that's a discussion that, that happens a lot. <laughs> so this is a discussion that I wasn't prepared for. So yeah. this is this is. But, but, but if, if Hollywood executives are listening to us, we encourage you uh, to consider Top Gun 3.0 where you're actually dealing now with with a scenario where you have unmanned aerial vehicles. Yeah, you have a, 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 a reckless AI bot versus one right. that, that yeah. doesn't make mistakes yeah. or something. You got an AI bot maverick. Maybe pretending uh, to be a real pilot. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like somebody else we know. Uh, and, and so, yeah, so that's the same. We've already worked this out. I think that in coming days, we should perhaps work out a, a script and then uh, hand this over to, to Hollywood. And, it's and, academics. Uh, I don't think we have time for <laughs> moonlighting as, as it's, no, it's never writers. stopped us, Chris. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, we are moonlighting this, this podcast. So it's, uh, there we are. <laughs> well, we, we have certainly discussed a whole lot up to this point, starting from human AI voice collaborations and the movie Top Gun going on to potential malicious uses of this and detecting when we are dealing with a artificial voice versus one that is authentic all the way to Tamagotchi children and artificial <laughs> yeah, we, intelligence. We've covered a lot forward. of ground today, haven't we? Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. We've covered a whole lot of ground and it's been wonderful to to explore these issues as always with, with young Diogenes who, who always has um, interesting observations on these, these types of questions. And as always, if you like the show, we invite you to subscribe and leave us a comment. You can follow us on Twitter at onair underscore podcast. And don't forget to join us for the next episode for a discussion at the intersection of AI and IR theory, law, and practice. Until then, stay human. Stay human.